If you have your Bibles for just a little while, this is Wednesday night, and it is uh, it's called Bible Study Night. We don't often really do it old-fashioned way because too many of us would go to sleep if we did. And so I, I'm going to try to take you to the Word of God and and help you a little bit, perhaps. Uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter, and I will read very lengthy passage, but I'll do it quickly, and then you can be seated. Uh, if you have your Bibles, begin with verse 1, and we're going to go down through verse number 17. He said, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath an inheritance in the kingdom of God, or kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. But But be not ye therefore partakers with them, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I love to read this portion from uh, another translation that I read from at times to simply expand my mind, and that is the message. I would not recommend it for doctrinal purposes because it is a very loose interpretation, but there are many times that in, in Eugene Peterson, uh, his rendition of Scripture, that he opens the window of your mind to things that, that it just doesn't register with you when you read it in the King James Version. And so I'm going to read that same passage from the message. If you'll just permit me, I won't be lengthy, but I want you to listen to how he he put it. He said, watch what God does and then do it. 
like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you, keep company with Him, and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Don't allow love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity. Filthy practices are bullying greed. Though some tongues just love the taste of gossip, Those who follow Jesus have better use for their language than that. Don't talk dirty or silly. That kind of talk doesn't fit our style. Thanksgiving is our dialect. You can be sure that using people or religion or things just for what you can get out of them, the usual variations on idolatry, will get you nowhere and certainly nowhere near the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of God. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talks but want nothing to do with him. Did anybody get that? He is not interested in people who are full of religious sales talk but have, that want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. You grope your way through that murk before, but no longer. You're out in the open now. Bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please God and then do it. Hmm. Don't waste your time on useless work. Mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness, expose these things for the sham that they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep, climb out of your coffins, Christ will show you the light. So watch your step, use your head, make the most of every chance that you get because these are desperate times. Don't live carelessly or unthinkingly, make sure that you understand what the master wants. And everybody said, Amen. I was reading this week of a aged pilot of the Mississippi Delta and the Mississippi River 
who had many years navigated uh, boats up and down the uh, treacherous waters of the Mississippi River. And as they were celebrating this man upon his retirement, one of the men who was speaking said that no doubt Captain Jack knows of all of the shallow places and he knows all of the shoals and he knows all of the sunken wrecks and he knows and he just goes into this long list of things that the captain knew about the river and right in the middle of it the old captain stood up and he said no you are wrong he said I don't know where all the wrecks are and I don't know where all the shallow places are But what I do know is where the channel is, and that's where I tried to stay all of my life. Now, I'm not real smart, folks. There's a lot of things about life that I don't know. But I have learned what works. And instead of wasting my time trying to figure out if that will or if that will not work, I decided... A long time ago, I was just going to give myself to what I know works. And what I have learned is that if I will listen to the Word and I will apply that Word, that Word works. Amen. The book of Ephesians is one of the most powerful books of the New Testament. And Paul speaks of some of the most important spiritual principles found anywhere in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. I like to go read it, and I read it often, because there is a continual flow of wisdom that comes from this particular book. Paul alludes to the fact in his writing that life is a voyage. It is a journey much like that taken on the sea. And there are tremendous realities of life that call for certain carefulness in the navigating of those things. And that carefulness is brought out by Paul's statement in Ephesians 5 that we should walk circumspectly. Now, that, that's one of those 50-cent words. Amen. Everybody say circumspectly. I don't know if you even know what a 50-cent word is, but it, it's one of those you have to get the dictionary out. And <clears throat> when I was looking at that, I re- read what one man, how he defines circumspectly. He said circumspectly is walking through a, um, let me see how to phrase this. It is walking through a, 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 a barnyard in white sneakers and keeping them white. Now that's a pretty good definition of circumspect. That means you better be careful where you step. You better be careful how you step. Because there are dangers 
that are lurking that can soil and spoil your life. And so when Paul is writing to this Ephesian church, what what I have been amazed at in my reading over the last year of the New Testament is that many of the things that we think that are unique to this time are not unique at all. I find that Paul had to deal with those spirits and attitudes even back then. And one of the greatest battles spiritually that was fought in that day was a spirit that basically said that God's grace covers everything. And so because grace covers everything, it doesn't matter what you do because grace covers that. Sound familiar? Sounds a whole lot like the world in which we live. And so Paul, in a sense, is, he, he is, he, he, he's directing his attention toward this fallacy of thinking that Grace covers everything. You don't, have to, you, you don't have to watch how you live. You don't have to watch how you talk. You don't have to watch how you behave. That You can live any way you want to live. And grace covers a multitude of sin. And God's grace takes care of everything. And so Paul begins to address that with this, with this uh, leaning toward life as a voyage and to steer through this life without a shipwreck takes purposeful maneuvering if you're going to walk circumspectly if you're going to walk carefully if you're going to avoid the landmines of life then there has to be a certain cautiousness about the way that you conduct yourself Because anybody knows that the voyage of life is upon dangerous seas. And there are currents that pull and tug. And there are winds that blow. And there are storms that come. And there are sunken reefs and various other things that lurk under the surface that you must be aware of. But more than that, there is the danger of drift. I have always been taken by that word drift because the earliest definition that I learned of drift was simply someone or something that operates without power. Operating without power. And there are a lot of people that are trying to operate without power. They're drifting. But drift is not only one problem, but there are charts that have to be navigated. And sometimes the wrong information can be given to somebody and they navigate the wrong Place. You will never take the wrong bus and get to the right destination. Amen. And so it takes knowing that that 
word is my guide and it is my compass and I am going to live my life as best I can by those principles. And life as we know it is either ruled, listen to me, life is either ruled by the rudder or it is ruined by the rocks. And you will either be led by power and purpose and you will be led by vision and God's hand or you will be pushed and other things will lead you to shipwreck. Either there is a directing force in your life. There is either a rudder that is navigating you through the currents and around the sunken things, or you are at the mercy of the rocks. One or the other is the outcome. I don't know about you, but I think I would rather have a rudder in my life than to wind up ruined by the rocks. Amen. And so there are certain words that Paul uses to describe this navigation. And one of those words that he uses is the word walk, W-A-L-K. The word walk is used by Paul to describe how I am to conduct myself and how I am to behave. It refers to the regulating of one's life. The rudderment, if you would use that term, to live in a certain way. Everybody say certain. To live in a certain way. To have a certain course to conduct oneself in a particular fashion. That is the word walk, and that's what Paul meant when he said we are to walk. That we are not just moving through life, but we are going with a certain sense of purpose, that there is a plan and we're trying to follow that plan. There are so many who are enamored by the promises of God but they fail to embrace the precepts of God. Our world is full of people that love the blessings of the Lord, but they don't want to live the life that produces the blessing of the Lord. You know what I've learned? I'm a little slow learner, but I've learned that some people love me for what I have, but they don't love me for what I am. And there are a lot of people that love what they get at church, fellowship, friends. They like the camaraderie. They, they like the iron sharpening iron. They, they like the, the, the opportunity to network. And folks, don't use the church as a tool to get your stuff done. That's not what church is for. But they, you know, we, we love all of that. We love all the promises of God. We love all the blessings of God. We like the services that we have when the Spirit of God just kind of falls like rain and and you leave here feeling so refreshed. But here is something that you have to understand. 
You cannot truly enjoy the promises of God without also embracing the precepts that produce those promises. And there are a lot of people who want to enjoy the promise, but they don't want the precept. They want all the blessings and they want all the mercy and they want all the touches that God can put out, but they don't want the doctrine that goes along with it. You know what I've learned? That there are people who can be holy in doctrine. Now listen to me carefully because you might miss this. They can be holy in their doctrine, but unholy in their living. My brother, he's not here tonight so I can talk about him, Charles. When he was a young man, you talk about, you don't know him like I know him. But he got he got so far away from God. His, his vocabulary was so, whew, it was rough. He was living away from God. But one day at work, somebody brought up the subject of a trinity of God's and oh, Vodka drinking, sailor cussing Charles pipes up and said, oh no. And he starts giving them a doctrinal study on the oneness of God. Living like a hellion, but knowing the doctrine. So don't be misled to think because I know doctrine or I know the truth that that equates to me living what I know. There are a lot of folks in life who love to talk about the Word, but they don't like living the Word. And so Paul deals with the precept. Everybody say a precept. Come on, stay with me. I'm going to be short tonight. Somebody had this thing turned out your way. You don't need to see what time it is. I'm the one that needs to see because I'm the one that needs to know when to shut up. And so Paul begins with a precept. My behavior will decide my destiny. That rudder or the rocks, I have a choice. And my life can be governed by certain things and I can enjoy the blessing or I can be free to the wind, but I may not like the consequences. And you cannot get by in life with enjoying the blessing without paying the piper at some point. Amen. And so Paul points to a principle and he says, here's the kind of life that you must live if he is going to make safe passage from this life that life the sea of life is a troubling place and the order and the only way to really navigate that without shipwreck you have to walk in a certain way and so you'll find peppered throughout the writings of paul in the new testament that word walk walk honestly walk circumspectly walk uh in love 
and over and over walk in the Spirit. He, he reminds me of the navigating of my life, that there's got to be a steering. In, in, and, and when I let my life be steered by these things, I will like the outcome. And he uses that word over and over and over. Walk in wisdom. Walk worthy. Walk by faith. Walk in the newness of life. Walk as children of light. Walk according to this rule. Over and over, he goes back to that principle, back to that precept. The blessings of God, the goodness of God, the mercy of God are the result of these precepts. And so when I got to looking at all of these references in Paul's writing to walk, walking in faith, walking in wisdom, walking worthy, walking honestly, walking uh, in the newness of life, in the spirit, according to the rule, I discovered that there were basically four things that Paul was trying to get through to me that if I would embrace them and I would make them a part of my life, it would forever change how I live and it would affect my spiritual destiny. And so these four things I'm going to give to you tonight. Number one, everybody say number one. Hold your finger up, say number one. Number one. If you're going to navigate life and make it from here to there safely, you are going to need a lot of wisdom. Amen. Everybody say wisdom. Wisdom. We need to walk wisely. We need to talk wisely. We need to act wisely. We need to think wisely. And if we choose to do it otherwise, we are going to wind up in trouble. So the question is, what is wisdom? Now I'm going to first tell you what wisdom is not. Wisdom is not craftiness. Because there's a lot of crafty people in life. Wisdom is not Cunning, knowing how to beat the system, knowing how to cut the corners and shave the edges and nobody else knows any different. Knowing how they used to do it, put a little rosin or something in your glove so you could scuff the ball up and throw one of those pitches that the batter couldn't hit. Wisdom is not shrewdness. Outthinking somebody else. Knowing that you're smarter than... You know what? I've discovered that there's a lot of people that make shipwreck in life that are brilliant people. And when you look at them, you're thinking, now what went wrong here? Because they were embracing the wrong kind of wisdom. The kind of wisdom that you need is not craftiness. It's not the sleight of hand. It's not taking a lemon and making lemonade out of it. The kind of wisdom that you need is getting hold of something that is divine. It is, in fact, an acquaintance with 
divine themes. It is an acquaintance with a divine plan or a divine purpose. Wisdom is a knowledge which makes possible the skillful performance or activity of my life. But all of it hinges on me getting to know Him. Paul said in one writings that we would learn Christ. I never had noticed how he said that until recently, but he didn't say that you learn about Christ. Because you can read books and volumes and learn about somebody. But you can never learn somebody until you live with them. You go to bed with them. You get up in the morning with them. You eat lunch with them. You eat breakfast with them. You take tea with them in the afternoon. You go to Sonic with them. You go to McDonald's. Then in that fellowship and in that relationship, you begin to learn them. That's why a lot of things fail in life because we learn about it, but we don't learn it. And the reason people stumble in their walk with God is because they learn a lot about church. They learn how to clap their hands, how to hold their hands up. They learn all those songs they put. They learn all the melodies. They learn all the jingo. Praise the Lord. My God. Great. Hallelujah. But they never learned him. They never take the time to get acquainted. But the wisdom that I am talking about is... It is a result of acquainting myself with a divine plan, with a divine purpose, with a drawing out of my life that comes to a good conclusion. It is the capacity to understand what needs to be done, what ought to be done, and what should be done, walking and living wisely has to do with the corresponding of my temper and my behavior with eternal purpose and eternal plans. That's wisdom. And folks, if there has ever been a time that I needed to preach to you this message, I need to preach this to you tonight. We need wisdom. And the only way you're going to get that wisdom is by spending time with the wise. Amen. The Bible says that wisdom will help you to be a good master builder. Now, he didn't just say a builder. He said a master builder. That a wise person will not just get locked up in their part of the plan, but they see the whole picture. The difference between a plumber and a general contractor is the plumber is only worried about the plumbing. And all the conflicts I've seen on building programs I'm, I'm telling you, it comes from the AC guy getting crossed up with the plumber and the plumber getting crossed up with the sheetrock because all they see is their little picture. 
But the general contractor, he's got the whole, he's got the end result in mind. And so he's trying to orchestrate all of this to, to make it work together so that the end product will be what you desire. That's who I need to know. And that's what I need to become, a master builder, not just locked up in some little segment of my life. This is just a season of my life. But there are a lot of people that get lost in the seasons of life. And they lose their way because this season, everything changes and everything turned upside down. Somebody needs to have enough wisdom to step back and see the picture. And the picture is better than that individual moment you may be dealing with right now. And if you base your life off of this moment, you might as well go ahead and cut your throat and die. But if you step back and look at the bigger picture, you realize that all things work together for the good to them who are the called according to his purpose. That's that scripture again. You know, it just keeps popping up. Every time I turn around, that verse keeps coming back into, in, into my mind and into my focus. Why? Because that's God's way of pulling me back from the fight that I'm in right now. I'm trying to muscle my way through the moment. I'm trying to live through the chaos of what's going on right now. I can't even make sense. I can't even think correctly. But when I step back and I look at that bigger picture, I realize God's hand has been in this all the time. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't even see how it could be possible but God had orchestrated and he's worked all of that to make it work for where I am right now and the only way you're going to get there is to know him and you're going to need his wisdom to know how to get to that place where you can pull back a wise man is a man who does not make and I'm not just a man but a woman is a person who does not make life-changing decisions in the middle of a storm. Most of the times, the decisions that I've made during those times were mistakes. I had to wait till it calmed down for me to be able to really see and discern. But you know what? A lot of that happens, especially in this season of the year. Amen. I need wisdom. I need something that can pull me back from the everyday grind of life and help me see the picture, not just the segment, not just the room. You know, men are compartmentalizers. We, we, we are like living room, bedroom, dining room. Women live all over the house, but men, we just compartmentalize and we go from room to room and we figure this problem out. The problem with that is you don't see everything that needs to be seen. Somehow you've got to step back and say, God, help me. Give me wisdom. Give me the eyes to see beyond the present problem and realize that there's life beyond all of this amen amen wisdom everybody say wisdom i've got to have wisdom i need it every day i need it every morning i need it every night i need that understanding of god's purpose for my life that it does not change god's purpose is that i, I i'm saved amen now, we get lost in the way that he has to do it to get us saved. But God's purpose is to save me. 
And sometimes God's way of saving me, I've got to go through a wilderness, down through the valley, up the mountain, cross the river. And I'm thinking, God, how in the world did I get over here? It's just God's way of having to get me to the place where I need to be. Amen. I want to be saved. And I don't really, I don't have a, 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 a lot to say really, but I don't want to be lost. And so however God has to take me, whatever you've got to do, God, to make sure that I'm saved, that's what I want you to do. Whatever it takes. And if I have to go into the valley for me to be saved, then take me into the valley. Don't let me get lost in the moment of my life and think that this is it and I'm done in when the truth is it's just a stage that I'm moving through. God's taking me to a better place than that. Everybody said amen. I'm moving on. Number two, if you're going to navigate life, you're not only going to need wisdom, but you are going to need limits. Everybody say limits. Paul said it like this. Walk according to the rule. Everybody say rule. The word rule in the Greek is the same word that we get the word standard from. Now, that's an ugly word in 2014. Standard. That means that there is a set principle. There are set guidelines. There are rules to follow. I'm sorry, Outback, you're wrong. Outback said no rules, just right. And our world has embraced that philosophy. We don't want anybody telling us what to do. But you hear me tonight, you're never going to navigate life sea without some kind of rule in your life. And if you do not have a rule, you are a tragic ruin. Amen. Now, listen to me. The word standard is not a graceless word. Standard is not a grace-putting-down word. I know there's a lot of folks in our day that are trying to say that the grace of God, you know, all you have to do is believe and trust, and it doesn't matter anything else. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter how you talk. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how you dress. That grace covers all of that. You don't have to worry about any of that. Grace covers it all. But my Bible tells me, and he did it twice, he said, walk by this rule. Now, evidently, there is something to this standard business. Evidently, there's something to this principle of limits, of boundaries. Everybody needs boundaries in their life. Everybody. Everybody needs places that they say, you know what, I'm not crossing that line. I'm not going there. Paul fought the spirit of his day which said that grace covered it all. 
So it didn't matter how you live, but circumspect speaks of such a caution and an exactness as a man walking on top of the precipice, knowing that a misstep could be his end. And so he walks carefully. A life without standards is a ruined life. Amen. We need boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. There ought to be some things in your life that are off limits. No matter where you are, no matter who you're with, boundaries that are based on God's Word. Boundaries that are based on God's purpose for my life. Boundaries that are based on principles, not preferences. Boundaries that are placed on principles, not convenience. You know, when, is, when, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. I need boundaries that are based on God's promises. I need boundaries. Everybody say it with me again, boundaries. We all need boundaries. We have to live and walk within the lines. You know what makes a ball game interesting? Is that there are limits to it. Nine innings. Four quarters. There's a set time on each quarter. It doesn't just go on and on. There are three strikes and you're out. There are three outs and you change batters. If life didn't have those kind of limits, who would want to watch a football game? Who would want to go watch a basketball game? You'd still be watching the first one that ever played. What gives us the excitement and the thrill is to know that there is going to be an end. It's strange that we will embrace all of that in a secular world, but when it comes to God, we don't want to talk about the end. But folks, listen to me. There's going to be an end. It's coming very soon, quicker than any of us even believe. And you're not going to make it to that end the way that you would like to if there are not boundaries in your life. Amen. Boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. The third thing that you need is balance. Paul said it like this, walk worthy. The word worthy comes from a word that we get the word axis from, which speaks of the, the central line down the middle of the earth on which it rotates. It is that balancing of life. It is not being overly one way or the other. It is living a life of consistency. There are a lot of people that exhaust their resources and then they want God to rescue them from their disastrous planning. But they did not live with the principle of balance. Everybody say balance. I need balance. I need to know how to play, and I need to know how to pray. And I need to know how to pray, and I also need to know how to play. Your marriage needs it. Your home needs it. Do you know what psychologists say? That for every negative thing that happens to a marriage... It takes five positive things to overcome that one negative drain on a marriage. You've got to have balance. 
You can't go through life all the time talking about your problems. If that's your vocabulary, if all you and your spouse ever talk about are your problems or your shortcomings in money and we don't have this and we don't have that, your marriage is going to fall apart. You're going to find yourself mad at one another and angry. What do you have to do? You have to balance that. Everybody has to understand that you cannot always talk negative and get a positive result. Somewhere you've got to decide, you know what? Life isn't as bad as I think it is. It's not as bad as we think it is. It really isn't. I can take you to some places where it's really bad tonight. Amen. But as bad as it may seem, it's not as bad as we think it is. And most of the time, this is what I've learned. Life is never as good as I think it is, and neither is it as bad as I think it is. And you know what else? I better shut up. Some of you are look, wondering if I'm going to look at that clock again. It doesn't mean anything. I just look at it. Balance. Everybody say balance. Last. If you're going to navigate life properly, you're going to have to have vision. Vision. You're going to have to have eyes that can see more than the present. You see the end. When you first learned how to drive, what was the first thing they taught you about driving? Anybody remember? Don't run into anybody? No. That's not what they told you. They told you to do what? Look straight ahead. As a matter of fact, my instructor said, now don't get in the habit of watching that stripe. Because if you watch that stripe, you're going to veer into traffic. He said, fix an object down the road and your body will naturally move toward that object. One high jumper was interviewed about how he could jump over the seven feet. He jumped like seven feet, seven inches and something, world record. And they said, how can you do that? He was only 5'11 or 5'10. How can you get your body in? He said, it's simple. He said, in my mind, I throw my body. And when I get up to that bar, my body follows my thinking. Now, that may not be true to everybody, but it worked for that man. You said, Brother Hughes, I've thought this or thought that. I'm just here to tell you that you can think yourself into a problem and you can think your way out of a problem and you can pray your way out of a problem. You can worship your way out of a problem. You can sing your way out of a problem. You can work your way out of a problem, but you're going to have to have vision to see that happen. You've got to have eyes that can see beyond the facade and see the goal. Living with a purpose in mind. I love how Paul said it, and I'm closing. Paul said, I have not apprehended everything that has apprehended me. But he said, this one thing I do. And then he made a double statement, but the one thing that he did was press. I press toward the mark. I exert my energy toward the goal. 
And the things that help me do that, I forget those things that are behind. And I reach for those things that are before me. I have to let go of some stuff in order to reach some stuff. I've got to be willing to understand that if it's yesterday, I need to leave it there and I need to turn toward the future because that's where I'm going. Amen. And if you're interested in the future, you're going to have to open your hands and let some stuff go. Stuff that you can't change and stuff that you can't alter and you can't undo. You just have to accept it for what it is. And then turn and reach. Say in your heart, this is not going to be the end of my life. This is not going to be how this story ends for me. I'm going to let it go. Because I have something I have to reach for. Let's stand together. If you're going to make it in life, it's going to take some very simple things. Wisdom, limits, balance, vision. Those four things are needed more now than they've ever been needed before. And I don't know how adequate a job I've done in delivering my burden to you tonight, but I'm telling you, this is not a sermon to me. This is a message. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment and let's just talk to God. Would you do that? Everybody in the building, just close your eyes and let's just talk to the Lord for a moment. Oh, come on, talk to Him. Come on, that's right, talk to Him. Lift up your voice. Open your mouth. Use your words. Talk to him. God, I, I need help. I, I, need a, I need a clearer vision. I need balance in my life. I, I'm, I, I have no balance. I, I'm, I'm just helter-skelter. I'm here and there. I'm running here and doing that, but never accomplishing. God, I need some balance. I, I need how to... I need to know how to balance life out. I need to give myself to the things that matter. God, I need to know what it is to live within rules and limits. I need to understand that rules are not against me, but they are for me. They do not hinder me, but they help me. They do not drive me away or drive me down, but they lift me up. Oh, God, help me. God, help, help us. I, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.